The Medical College of Wisconsin Office of Student Health and Wellness presents Well, 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 where each episode a very special guest and I discuss what it means to be well in the world of health science education. Welcome to this episode of Well, Well, Well. This is the next segment of our Failure Share series, and I'm excited about our guest for this one. Dr. Michelle Reilly is an assistant professor in microbiology and immunology, where her research lab studies the role of non-coding regulatory elements in the outcome of malaria infection using a variety of wet and dry lab approaches. She received her PhD from the University of California, Irvine, and did her postdoctoral training at the University of Minnesota. She moved to MCW about three years ago. She's an advocate for student wellness and efforts to increase diversity and inclusion, and she serves on the Council for Women's Advocacy at MCW. When she isn't at work, she keeps busy with her two teens and a black lab puppy. I hope that you all enjoy this episode. Be well. Thank you so much, Dr. Reilly, for being here today. And I always like to get started with our special guests by asking, what's one way that you've been promoting your wellness or taking care of yourself recently? That's a great question, Carrie. Uh, I think there's two things I've been trying to do. So, and they don't just involve me. I, um, as my introduction included, uh, I have two teenagers. And one thing I've been trying to do is interact with the both of them when no one, myself nor them, is on a device. And trying to really connect with them on, you know, what's good in life, what's bad in life, where can I be more supportive, where should I allow more independence and things like that, which is not promoting necessarily my own well-being, but in promoting my family's well-being, it promotes my own well-being. The Absolutely. other thing I do, yeah, the other thing I do is spend a lot of time with my black lab. He's therapeutic because no matter how bad a day you've had, he's always happy to see you and, and walking him is like therapy outside. So those are the two things that I've been trying to keep in mind. With regard to my own wellness. I love that. And I'll say too, I, I have pets as well. I have a dog and two cats. And I always tell students like pets are so amazing. They're like, if you need to like ground yourself or just like try to be present focused, I feel like animals have the best way of doing that. You know, like whether you're walking the dog or snuggling with a pet or, you know, petting a cat or it has a way of just like grounding us and keeping us present focused. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think sometimes I can tell my heart rate slows down just a little bit when he decides to sit on my lap. It's it's great. I agree. Yeah. Oh, and the device thing. I feel you on that. I feel like I'm always trying to work on that part. And I'm not innocent here either. I mean, they are both right. on devices, but I am not innocent. So the fact that we can all put down a device and have a conversation is the rewarding part. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And again, really focus on like, you know, the present and being mindful and just like being, you know, where we are. So Dr. Reilly is here with us to do our next episode of the Failure Share series. She is so graciously going to share a failure story of hers, what happened, how she responded to it, and basically how she overcame the challenge. So let's just dive in, Dr. Reilly. How did you fail? What happened? Good question. Uh, so the story I'm going to share is something that actually happened to me over 20 years ago. Um, I was a fourth year graduate student at the time, and I had flown through many of the hoops involved in graduate school. I had passed my qualifying exam. I was on a fellowship. I had published a paper. My research was going well. And I had been collecting data for a second manuscript publication, and I had just submitted that manuscript for a review at a journal 
when I sat down to look again at the data and you're all of you graduate students listening are asking, well, why didn't you do this sooner? And that's a question I'll answer in a minute. Uh, and I realized that there were some major flaws and major mistakes in what I had done. So for about 12 hours, I hemmed and hawed about what I should do about this. Should I wait till it all came back from review and basically then start all over? Or did I do what I deemed at that time the right thing to do, which was to go to my advisors tell them what had happened in terms of the fact that I think the data we had submitted was not good, not that it was fraudulent in any way, but just that there had been mistakes made in processing it, and that I thought I should pull the paper from the journal. So I went, I was a co-advised graduate student, so I not only had to do this once, but I had to do it twice. Uh, I went to both of my advisors and explained the situation I was under, that you know I had made this mistake, the data was misanalyzed, the conclusions therefore were maybe not accurate, and I think I needed to call the journal or somehow contact the journal and pull the paper. And so I had to phone this person first and say and tell him the story of what was going to happen with this paper and hope that I didn't fall further down um, in a relationship with him. I did make that phone call. It was not pleasant, um, but I explained the reasons why the paper was going to have to be pulled from the journal what I would do to rectify the situation, and then that he would receive another version of the manuscript when I was finished. So that was hurdle number one jumped with respect to the initial addressing of this failure. And then I had to figure out how one calls a journal and asks them to um, take your paper out of submission. It's not something there's a lot of directions for how to do online. Um, sure. And at that point, there weren't a lot of you didn't do a lot of submission directly online through a portal. It was a lot through emails and things like that. So there wasn't even a button to say cancel. So I had to make a phone call again. So I phoned up the journal, explained my situation that I felt like the paper should be taken out of the hands of the reviewers and given back to me. And because there were issues that I had discovered subsequent to submission that needed to be addressed. They were very gracious um, and said that they would do just that. They did not indicate that this had happened often, but they appreciated my attention to detail, etc. So the paper was then taken away from the reviewers and sent back to me. At which point, at this point, I felt like I, there was some weight lifted off my shoulders because at least I had taken it out of that process. But I still had the massive boulder in front of me of fixing the mistakes that were in the paper to begin with. Right. So I sat back down and reanalyzed all the data that was in the paper, reworked the paper, got all of it accurate. And of course, at this point, I'm double checking things six, eight, nine, ten times because I realized I had made a mistake the first time. It went through my original advisors who, again, probably checked it three, four, five, six and eight times went to this co-author who had been the more difficult one to have this conversation with. Again, it was probably checked many, many times. It went then back to the journal. Um, it went back to reviewers. I'm not sure if they were the same reviewers that had been removed from previously or not. But in the end, um, the paper was positively reviewed and was published. It took a lot longer than it should have, probably over a year's time from initial submission to when I pulled it out of review to when all the data was reanalyzed, so when it back up into review until it was published. But in the end, I got there. It was not the most pleasant of situations, but I learned a lot in the process. Sure. Do you, I know it's hard to remember sometimes, but do you recall what it was like emotionally for you at that time? Like from, from the moment, you know, that light bulb moment when you realized the mistakes were there and having to then contact people and make this plan, what that was like emotionally? Oh, absolutely. I, I can remember some 
responses vividly. So I remember just staring at my computer with my heart racing and my whole body shaking. Like there must be some mistake. There must be some mistake doubting myself, feeling sick to my stomach. And I will assure you there were many tears that happened in conversations I had both with peers of mine and with my advisors. I, this was not something I emotionally handled probably in the easiest way, but I think the emotion was real. I was disappointed in myself and I had let other people down. So I felt there was a heavy emotion, um, both physically and mentally. I'm sure. Yeah. And now with, you know, 2020 hindsight, as we say, looking back at that experience, what do you, what do you notice about it now? Or what have you learned about failure since then? So I think what I would say is what seemed like a massive problem at the time is something that I would now think of as more a bump along the road. Clearly, this is not a situation those of us who want to publish scientific papers want to find ourselves in. But in the end, all of these things are addressable. Um, You can address issues pre-publication. You can even address issues post-publication. I have since this experience had to publish what's called erratums or corrections on papers. And I think this experience sort of taught me that this is all part of everyday life. And if you look at many journals, there are erratums and corrections published routinely for people, you know, for papers that have mistakes in them, because none of us is perfect. And when we try to put together a huge amount of information, Even if we check it through so many different eyes, there are still things that are going to slip through the cracks. So I, you know, I give myself a bit more grace these days. Again, as I pointed out in the beginning of this conversation, I'm 20 years along here. So I've learned a lot in that time. And I will say it probably took me a very long time. I was, I had nerves and stress about making mistakes and publishing things that were inaccurate for a long time after that. And I've now come to the conclusion that the work I know I produce is high quality. And so if there are errors made, there are things, they are things I can address. Sure. And I just love that idea of like normalizing it, right? That errors are not uncommon. Mistakes happen all the time, as you said, practically routine, right? Absolutely. And I, you know, and as you work through a PhD project or a postdoctoral fellowship or whatever it may be, you know, there's a lot of things that you're handling simultaneously. And so, and I will tell you that I tell my, the people who work for me often that attention to detail is very important, but I also understand that sometimes it just doesn't work, right? And, and we all have slips of, you know, judgment and, and we make mistakes and that's okay. And, and, you know, catching those sooner rather than later makes things easier, but nothing is insurmountable. Right. Even when you consider some of the worst case scenarios, you find a way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I totally. And so I would say that I've learned a lot from that. And I would say overall, I'm a much calmer person with respect to things like this that happen. But I will say putting myself back in the shoes of a student or a postdoc, I would probably react in much the same way as I did. Yeah, I think that's important too to acknowledge, you know, that you are always reacting to a situation with what you have at that time, you know, and so understanding that although we understand mistakes and errors are normal, it was also normal for you to have the reaction that you did at that time, you know, that it felt so devastating. Absolutely. And validating that that's a very normal thing to happen. So I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So What do you want students to know about failure or to remember about failure? If you could send them, you know, one or two little messages on the topic. So this is a message I deliver often. And I think it sounds a bit cliche and maybe a bit cheesy. 
but that failure is really the only way to learn things and to learn things that are going to stick with you. And failure should not be thought of as a negative. It should be instead thought of as an opportunity for growth. Again, I will admit that it sounds cheesy and maybe everyone is like rolling their eyes at the moment, which I get it. And my teenager does the same thing to me when I suggest that failing is not a bad thing. But I do think that you learn an awful lot when you have to go through understanding why things didn't work out right and how to get them to write or how to get them to a place that you can accept them and give yourself the grace to go forward. So I think it's a really an opportunity for growth. Yes, I love that and agree 100%. And Dr. Reilly, if students are so inspired by this episode and they want to connect with you, where can students find you or how can students reach you? Yeah, so you are more than welcome to reach me by email or my phone number. Um, and also my office is on the second floor of the basic science building in through the main door, first door on your left, and you will find me. And I'm more than willing. Most people will tell you I have an extremely open door policy. And as a matter of fact, my office has glass windows so you can see right in. So you'll be able to tell <laughs> if I'm there in the first place. Perfect. So <laughs> I am happy to talk anytime and I am more than willing to share the positives and negatives, the high points and low points of being a graduate student. It's a challenge, but it's also rewarding. And hopefully every one of you listening has had some of those bright spots to reflect on. Perfect. And I will put Dr. Reilly's email in the show notes as well. So again, Dr. Reilly, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I know um, it puts you in somewhat vulnerable position to share these, even if it was 20 years ago. So anyone who's willing to participate in the failure share series. I am so grateful for. So again, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you are super welcome. And I will tell you that some of these people I authored papers with are now members of the National Academy of Sciences, because it maybe puts me in more risk now than it did back then. But anyway, it's great. And I really I appreciate your running this series. I think it's really important for all of us to understand that we are individuals in the first place. All humans are inherently flawed and we are all going to make mistakes and we need to learn to give ourselves grace through that. Love it. Thank you. You're welcome.